If folks thought it strange to see a mud-coated man with a mud-coated baby sleeping on his shoulder, riding past the crowded storefronts of Greenville, they gave no sign. Probably they'd seen lots stranger these past months, and they'd see stranger yet if the levee blew. At the lumberyard, men were listening to the radio tell of record levels on the Tennessee River. Chattanooga flooded, 16 dead. Ingersoll asked a man pricing a boat kit where he could find the police station. The man removed the nail he was holding in his mouth to point. Ingersoll hitched his horse at the station and lifted Junior to his shoulder and mounted the steps with dread. On the hour-long ride into Greenville from the Crossroads store, he'd realized how strange and suspicious his story sounded. But it turned out that the story, and the bodies, had beaten him to town. A pretty dark-haired receptionist directed him to the officer who took his report. Ingersoll was just a fellow who wanted chewing tobacco and had the good luck to arrive at the store after the shooting was over. The officer was only half listening, kept one ear cocked the loud fellow behind him offering a dramatic story of the shootout. There were no tough questions for Ingersoll, just name and place he could be reached. Levy and Hobnob, he answered. I'm an engineer. The officer yanked the paper out of the typewriter. You're done, he said, and pushed away from his desk. How do I find out where the baby's parents were from? Do they have any kin? Ingersoll asked the blue back walking away. Consult a crystal ball, the officer threw over his shoulder. We're a little busy here. The reenactment was still going on behind Ingersoll, so he joined the rear of the circle, beside some reporters waggling their pencils along their pocket notebooks. It seemed the dead Scottish clerk hadn't been alone at the store after all. He'd been out back, helping a delivery man unload crates of ginger ale. The driver was saying how the clerk had been backing into the storeroom when he surprised the looters, who must have figured they'd had the place to themselves. So the clerk shot at the looters, and they shot back, and the driver went to get help. The driver didn't mention the baby at all, and Ingersoll figured he probably took off as soon as he heard the shooting. Switching the baby to his other arm, Ingersoll thought how sad that Junior would grow up in a world lousy with cowards and fakes. A door opened from the rear of the station, and a clerk poked his head through. Coroner says he's done with the jip corpses. The delivery man snapped his fingers. Hot diggity, let's go look. Come on, boys. The group scrummed away like a many-tentacled creature. Ingersoll could hear them chattering through the door and down the steps. He bet neither the driver nor those others had served. If they had, they'd have seen enough bodies to last a lifetime. Many lifetimes. When he looked up, he was standing alone in the middle of the room. The dark-haired receptionist was studying him. You look lost, big fella, she said. I suppose I am. What are you looking for? I guess I'm done here. He glanced around as if expecting to be contradicted. So now I gotta find some officer to give this baby to. Judson, she called out, swiveling on her chair, but Judson was punching his arms into his rain slicker. Mrs. Allen, 
I'm heading to the coroner's, he said, and slipped out the door. Hmm, she said, swiveling back around. Well, I guess it just needs to get to the orphanage. It ain't far. I could take it when I get off. Of course, that's not till five. Ingersoll raised his eyes to the clock, quarter past three. I can take it there, he said. A man walked by and dumped some heavy folders on the receptionist's desk, and Ingersoll looked to see if the thump had woken the baby. It had, but he didn't cry, just blinked and turned his head. The receptionist rose from her chair. Girl or boy? Boy. Can I hold him? Ingersoll shrugged. Sure.